Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're not sharing audio, dude. There we go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to AwesomeMode.com's On the Contrary. I'm Dave Lockwood, bringing you a week 12 edition main slate coming off of Thanksgiving. Hopefully all of you guys had a wonderful time. Stayed safe in your travels or in home in isolation like Jordan Klein did, eating by himself. It's sad. I feel for the guy, but he's doing a great job producing the show, and we appreciate him for that. With me, as always, Alex Baker. Alex, man, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Uh, pretty low-key. Went out to the Burbs, visited my fiance's family. So uh, not a big Thanksgiving this year, but we had just the same amount of food. There was three pies between the three of us, so we didn't uh, we didn't skimp out on those, uh, those desserts. So pretty good. I uh, hope everyone out there also had a good Thanksgiving and, you know, we're so thankful for all the support you guys give our, our channel and our site. So appreciate you guys. Massively appreciate that. I'm glad you brought that up. You guys have helped us a ton um, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first let's introduce our guest on Thursday. We weren't able to do the marathon matchups breakdown. So I'm sure you guys will be happy to know that we're bringing Matt Savoca in right now to break it all down with us for week 12. Matt Savoca, follow the man on Twitter at Draftaholic. Say what's up to him. Get that follower count up. He put some great stuff out there. Check up his check out his matchups column at awesome.com. His data deep dive. This stuff is not or is free, but should not be free. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it is free, should not be free. Is free. Should have to pay for it. What's up, Matt? Hey, hey, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I said before the show that uh, this feels like the big call-up, getting to be on the show with, uh, with you and Alex. It's just really awesome to do this weekend show. And uh, I'm a little pent up because, yeah, we didn't get that Thursday show. And uh, I know this one isn't as long, so I'll try to keep my takes a little bit shorter than, than usual. News guy said, I don't, see my, I don't see News God's name on that Iverson jersey. You better believe it's on there, fella. And you gave us like twenty or twenty-five dollars towards the uh, Matt Gajeski TV fund. It says El Negro logo though. It's vertical, and it's one of the biggest ones on there because you know if you give us more than other people, you get a bigger name. That's the least I can do over here. Anyway, guys, let's jump into it. We got so much to talk about. We're cut short. To uh, Tuesday show, Wednesday show, Thursday show, all of them were Thanksgiving shows appropriately. Now we had yesterday's strategy show with Alex and Josh. We had today's strategy show. We have on the contrary, and then we still have our four-hour marathon show leading all you all the way up to lock tomorrow. But I'll tell you this much, Alex, the amount of injuries that are mounting right now for week 12 are really absurd. And the hits just keep on coming, whether you're hurt, whether the entire game is getting postponed to COVID or whether you're Jonathan Taylor and just an hour or so ago got ruled out for COVID-19, it's going to be tough to track. And if you're not around your computer all morning tomorrow, I know it's not basketball, but you got to be ready for this because it feels like we're going to keep getting hit with more news all the way leading up close to lock. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be an interesting slate. Although, uh, you know, it sucks that everyone's getting COVID selfishly. Uh, I don't mind having a little bit of value on this slate because I didn't really see too much when we looked at it yesterday. Jonathan Taylor, the most recent news seems like the most significant because Indianapolis 
They're one of the best teams in the league, and their three-man running back rotation really hurts their fantasy appeal, but just two, that's pretty pretty exciting. Uh, and then there's a lot of questionable guys, like um, we have Miles Gaskin that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Salvin Ahmed's out, so that would open up a lot of value versus the Jets, which is a prime matchup. So um, definitely some uh, areas where we don't have clarity that will be really interesting. That's right. Salmonhead taking a seat this week. You've got uh, a a cast of characters in the Miami backfield that we'll talk about. We're going to try to get to as much as we can. But Matt, one of the biggest things, and you and I discussed this a little bit before the show, when we went over the game plan, going over the run sheet for today's program, is ownership is going to be pretty predictable in certain areas especially now that Dalvin Cook at $9,500 on DraftKings, exorbitant price point, but phenomenal matchup. Workload's been out of this world. And now you've got situations where Todd Gurley sits, Jonathan Taylor's out, Wayne Gallman's cheap. There's a lot of cheap backs that you can work into the mix, not even including some of the wide receivers. Uh, and that's why he's now in our latest update projected for 34% ownership in tournaments. Yeah, that's just gigantic, and it might make sense, especially in these large field tournaments, to just completely fade Dalvin Cook, simply because the roster construction, when you go that way, is going to be so different than other people. But, you know, one of the things you mentioned is uh, we we didn't have a lot of running back cheap options as this week started, and now, as the week's gone on, we've gotten a couple of these extra options here. I even thought a couple days ago that starting Dalvin Cook Brian Hill, when we thought Ty Gurley was going to be out, now we know that he is, was going to be so choppy that we just shouldn't go that way. But now we can even go Dalvin Cook, Naheem Hines, and it just opens up a lot of opportunities. And then we can be contrarian with our stack and be different with our run back. So uh, again, I think it's there's a little bit of silver lining. I hate, to, I hate to use people's illnesses and positive tests as a silver lining, but when we're trying to pick DFS picks, I think it makes it a lot easier this week, especially at the running back position. I say it all the time, Matt. I'm here to talk fantasy football. I'm not your moral compass. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it is what it is, yeah. right? And uh, I don't know. I don't like to think I'm a bad guy. But when it comes to fantasy, your job and my job is not to discuss the intricacies off the field, but more fo- more so what the impact is on the field. Am I wrong? No, you're not. And, you know, one of the things that's wonderful about being a part of Osmo is that we can just be full in on the fantasy part, trying to make make great bets on players and games. Whereas I saw Bud Dupree retweeting a, a take from that was PFF, awesome, by the way. Yeah. Awesome. And, and it's kind of hard because PFF is not that they're not incredible. I use their stats every single week, but they're tailoring to two different audiences. They have the football analytics audience that is very skeptical of these numbers based analyses. Whereas in the fantasy side, we're ready to go. Give us the numbers. Mm-hmm. But Let's Alex, Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree also called us computer geeks, and I found it so fun. I don't know why. I haven't heard that in so long. I just I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I miss this, but I did see one of our buddies, Evan Silva, being like, I don't trust the model-based approach. <laughs> I think he was just chilling. But uh, it's always funny to see like the conversation around that in the industry. All right, let's jump into some of these games here. Before we do, guys, if you love what we do here, if you think we've helped you, and really you just want to help support us and also get something out of it yourself, hit that thumbs up and the subscribe button. More importantly, that subscribe. I've told you we're making the push for 50K by end of year. It's tough. I'm not going to pretend it isn't, but I think you guys can help us get there, especially on one of our most popular shows of the week, this one right here. So if you like what we do, and you want to help us out and also have our shows pop up on the browse feature, the recommended feature, because for some reason with this algorithm, I don't know why a lot of our shows just won't, even if you want to watch them every day this way, it's not a, it's not a foolproof, but it definitely helps them show up more uh, on your, on your feed, on your YouTube homepage and all of that good stuff. So subscribe, hit that notification bell and hit that thumbs up. Let's jump into it. Alex, Tennessee and Indiana. Uh, I didn't intend on starting with this game, when the uh, before the the show started, but the Jonathan Taylor news throws a wrench into the works because last week he saw 56% of snaps. It was the most he'd seen since week six. He had 22 attempts and four targets. Hines had six attempts and four targets. And then Jonathan uh, Jordan Wilkins had four and one. But now that Jonathan Taylor's out, 
you have to think that that Naeem Hines here, even coming off an ugly week, is going to be pretty popular at close to minimum salary in what at least now is projected to be a relatively high scoring game with a total of 51 and a half. Definitely. I mean, Hines uh, famously had that birthday game uh, two weeks ago where he went out uh, and just absolutely dominated in one of the showdown slates. So I think most NFL DFS players saw that. And then Jordan Wilkins really hasn't done a lot in a while, but he's definitely the the more likely kind of between the tackles runner. So I feel like if we're thinking contrarian, I think Jonathan Taylor or Jordan Wilkins will be a little bit less popular than Hines. And I think he could even have a bigger role because um, he's kind of uh, the game script as favorites sets them more to running the ball a lot. And I think Wilkins might be that guy over Hines. Uh, So I think Wilkins will be a really sharp play. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be low owned because he's really cheap and a great play, but I do think people might have a preference for Hines given his performances this season. So my thing, Matt, is you you really have no faith in the target share when it comes to to Indianapolis, right? Like who are, and maybe, maybe you have a, a different opinion on this, but I don't really have any confidence that Phillip Rivers is going to lock onto the same guy week in and week out because he hasn't done so. Not Hilton, not Pittman. We've had some injuries. Sure. Uh, the backfield is where our, the, their bread has been buttered, but even there it's been, it's been a carousel. So Jonathan Taylor's absence might finally give us a week where we can look at this team and say, Hey, I think we might actually know where the production is going to come from. Sure, we could be wrong, but maybe more confidence this week than we have in, in, in other weeks. Yeah, obviously, that's definitely something we're always looking for is offensive consolidation of not only opportunity, but fantasy points. And you put the nail on the head there. Indianapolis has been the lowest offensive consolidation. If you look at the weighted opportunity of two wide receiver sets and three wide receiver sets, the lowest opportunity share has gone to those duos and trios of any team for Indianapolis. So that means they spread the ball out more than any other team in the passing game. And we're finally getting some uh, certainty, if you will, with the running back game. So it's going to be really, really hard to pivot away from the idea of using one of these running backs. If you're looking for a low or not a low owned, but a low price option at running back. But I also think we want to stay away from this passing game because I'm concerned about Tennessee controlling the pace of this game. They have uh, an adjusted rush rate. That's one of the new advanced stats on awesomeo.com. That's top three in the league. So when you have that many rushing plays, it just lowers the amount of total plays in a game. So if I'm looking anywhere in this game, I'm looking at the running backs. All right. Well, then let's stick with that for a second. The Indianapolis Colts, according to certain sites, whether it be football outsiders, uh, pro football focus, of course, Bud Dupree not particularly happy with them. I doubt he's watching today's show. <laughs> Have the Colts both solid in both pass defense and rush defense. And as we've seen, you know, when they're not facing stellar offenses, they've done a pretty good job of slowing opposing teams down. Um, if that's the case and you anticipate Tennessee being able to control the time of possession, does that mean that Derrick Henry comes into play for you as not only a strong play, but a potential pivot off of Dalvin Cook at 2600 or at a $1,600 discount because it seems like you think Tennessee is going to be the team that can control possession in this game, which would naturally lead to Derrick Henry getting a boatload of carries. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. I mean, we're also looking at a game with one of the higher totals on the slate, so those points need to come from somewhere, even if Tennessee is technically not favored in this game. So I do think Derrick Henry is one of these high-priced pivot plays that we can use. And it's looking like the projections are right in line with his salary-based expectations. I like it a lot, especially, you know, you're not going to want to use two running backs from the same game, most likely in a tournament roster. So by using Derrick Henry, you're also not going to have one of these Indianapolis running backs, most likely, which is going to just make your lineup very different from a lot of the field. I feel like I ask you this question every week, Alex, because, you know, with Derrick Henry, his floor is a lot lower than many of the other running backs in his price point and it's tier because, well, he doesn't get the same passing down work and sure he's been bailed out by overtime a couple times this season, but he also has that explosion potential where he gives you 180 and two or 202 uh, at less than a third of Dalvin cook's ownership. Are you entertaining this 
Or is it still the same scenario as last week where you said, look, just go to Dalvin Cook because the opportunities are there as much, if not more than Derrick Henry, and he can get involved in the passing game. Your thoughts? Yeah, Derrick Henry, it's it's funny because two of the games where he had big outputs were in overtime where Tennessee like won the game in overtime. So, man, that that happening last week again and elevating Henry's performance. I think people might be on him because he had a big game last week with 28 rushing attempts, but they have been limiting his work a little bit more than we expected with guys like uh, Dante Foreman and Jeremy McNichols being mixed in like significantly over the last uh, five games. Although the last week was an exception where Henry got 28 rushing attempts. The next highest was one. So that is a little bit hard to predict. I think that given um, Henry is kind of coming off a big performance, I might try to look elsewhere for my contrary and spend up running backs. But I have to admit the player pool is a little bit, um, it's a little bit unexciting this week at running back, I think. Yeah, I didn't, Alex, necessarily think that the next game here that we'd be talking about very much Uh, at least not earlier in the year, but the New York Giants and Cincinnati Bengals stands out to me for a couple of reasons. One, the Giants are touchdown six and a half point favorites on the road, which is remarkable. The New York Giants are touchdown plus favorites on the road. Wayne Gallman's getting around 15% ownership, but outside of that, there just isn't much there, right? The Sterling Shepard's been one of the lowest floor tight ends in the league. It's, it's been a little bit difficult to trust which one of these wideouts is going to put up numbers each week, if any. And then on the other side, you have Brandon Allen starting uh, with Joe Burrow on the IR. So every single player on this team takes a massive, massive hit. You don't know what James Bradbury is going to be on, if it even matters. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which it probably doesn't. And then we don't even know if Gio, Giovanni Bernard plays with the concussion. This game is one of the biggest messes on the on the week, despite the Giants having a pretty respectable team total. Yeah, I think you can feel confident in the Giants' side. They have some uh, solid fantasy options with Slayton and Shepard. Um, and when Gallman, I'm not the most excited about him because it is a three-way committee in, in New York. They got Gallman, uh, and Morris takes a good amount of rushing attempts. And then Deion Lewis is kind of their, their third down back. So the workload isn't great, but the price of 5k on DraftKings reflects that. So I think Gallman's a decent option. I'm kind of intrigued by the Cincinnati side of the ball because Joe Burrow, I I had the uh, the Joe Burrow fan club come after me the other day because I said he hasn't been that good this year. And the reason I'm saying that is because he's only averaged 6.8 yards per pass, which is significantly worse than the league average. I mean, a lot of that is because Cincinnati as a team, I, I, I just think that like the offensive line may be a very weak spot because they got talented receivers. I don't think that's the problem. But I don't think Brandon Allen coming in will totally negate Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and A.J. Green's value. I think if he can get a little bit over six yards per attempt, which has been his career average, that should be enough given the volume Cincinnati passes. And I still have some love for these guys, especially now that they might be contrarian with Burrow. Uh, Matt, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, same question to you then, Matt. Cincinnati and the New York Giants, uh, you know, an ugly game on paper. But right now, ownership really is not coming in that high on these guys. Outside of Wayne Gallman hovering around that 15% range, there's really nobody else. Giants defense. And then no one is north of 7%. I think there could be like some ugly game concern where there just aren't a lot of points scored at all in this game. I think I kind of agree with Alex here, and I actually wore, wore a Saquon shirt because I realized the thought experiment of having Saquon Barkley available on this slate would be so fun because I, I think he would just be completely dominant, obviously high-owned. But I, I, I see what Alex is saying with the Cincinnati receiver side. I worry that one of the reasons we were seeing so many uh, – we were, we, were, we were seeing shootout potential with almost every Cincinnati game because of the way Joe Burrow was asked to run this offense. And I'm concerned that when you look at the Bengals from a pace perspective on offense, we're going to just see them be a very, very different team with Brandon Allen behind center or Ryan Finley behind center. You know, on my data deep dive, I showed them as one of the highest early down air yards per second team in the league and one of the highest neutral game pass rates as well. And, and so does Osimo's advanced stats. They show that at the same time. I worry that we have a situation where the Giants start to control the flow of the game. They run the ball, and that could be the only way that teams really score points. You could see less than 15 points even from the Bengals' side. So I'm concerned about the, the passing game there. Yeah, and the good thing about Burrow is he didn't need to be good. He just needed to throw a lot. And that's what he did. And you saw the volume make a big impact on guys like Boyd and T Higgins, even if Burroughs overall numbers weren't spectacular. AJ Green finally found the end zone last week and then his quarterback goes down. So uh, that's yeah. disappointing. I got one from him. I got his one and likely only touchdown for the season. Um, <laughs> Alex, the chargers look like they might get Austin Eckler back. They're going up against the Buffalo bills. Another one o'clock game. I'm going to jump around a little bit here just to find some interesting spots, guys, because we only have the hour. Tomorrow we'll go game by game, make sure we get to everything. But these are some good pivot spots. It's called on the contrary for a reason. So I want to give you some, some areas where you might be able to get different on this site, uh, strictly tournament approaches here. Austin Eckler might return. Kalen Balazs is questionable. Uh, the Chargers have four running backs with 40-plus carries this season, which is pretty wild. Jackson, Kelly, Eckler, and now Kalen Balazs. Uh, and then you've got Keenan Allen, who leads the league in targets, receptions, and target share. If Eckler comes back, do you like him? And how do we how do we approach Keenan Allen once again with just the ridiculous production he's been giving us week in and week out? That's a tough one because he's really delivered for fantasy players this year. And this matchup against Buffalo, they're they're good defense, but. On a per-play basis, they've just been slightly above average passing uh, defense. So I think Keenan Allen is a good play, especially given that Buffalo has a good offense. There's definitely the possibility that this is a high-scoring game. Uh, that being said, I feel like wide receiver is the position with the highest volatility of any in fantasy. Now, Keenan Allen gets targeted a lot, but even, th even despite that, I think that um, – for example, uh, he's uh, having projected for 0.6 touchdowns. If he doesn't get a touchdown, you're looking at maybe 17 points on average. And then at 8K, that like kills your lineup pretty much. So um, we've been seeing that the upper end of his range, and I think people will be expecting that. I just saw uh, – I don't see much advantage going there given that everyone already is on him. Matt, I don't want to make too much of cornerback wide receiver matchups, but given that, you know, you never see Tredavious White travel into the slot, does that potentially open more up for Keenan Allen uh, and just allow him to get peppered once again? And what's projected right now to be a high scoring affair with a total of 52 and a half points. By the way, he was 5,700 in week two. That's, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, so when you're talking about a 5,700 player versus an 8K player, the expectations, especially if you're trying to take down a tournament, are so, so different. And one of the things we see with Keenan Allen is, like, he doesn't care about matchups in certain spots where he could just get, as you said, peppered with 10 to 15 to 20 targets if Herbert sees a matchup that he wants to take advantage of. Now, 
I actually think that Eckler is the best play here because I'd rather, and not that Eckler is one of the absolute upper tier running backs, but I think I'd rather play a running back with a high likelihood of high value touches like targets that we love and uncertainty in terms of ownership rather than, you know, more certainty about their usage because they're less injured, but they're also coming with that high ownership. So We've seen Austin Eckler get double-digit targets from Justin Herbert already this season, and uh, that kind of lowers the probability of Keenan Allen's double-digit targets just by having him on the field. So I like going there. What if Eckler isn't activated? Or I'm sorry, what if he's not um, active in the game? Yeah, I, I mean, I think their Balage is questionable, and we could have a situation where all three are active and they all t- sort of cannibalize each other's touches in which case this whole point is moot but i think i would still want to build lineups that moved away from keenan allen maybe got mike williams or hunter henry um and even jalen guyton who has seen a a boost in target share and air yard share over the last few weeks he's not a bad play alex stefan diggs is getting almost 20 percent projected ownership right now as it stands only one wide receiver according to our ownership projections is going to be more popular than him. And it's by a pretty negligible amount. Stefan Diggs against the Chargers. I think all three of us agree that this game should see its fair share of scoring. Is is he someone that you're willing to eat the chalk on at a also very lofty price point? Let's not ignore he's only $400 less expensive than Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting that price tag because he really stands out as a better play than Keenan Allen, I would say. Buffalo. And John Brown is out. Yeah, John Brown being out helps. Uh, so Buffalo, they pr- they pass at uh, one of the higher rates in the league, about 60% in neutral situations, where the Chargers only pass 54%. Um, both guys are absolutely the number one targets. Buffalo is projected for more points uh, than uh Chargers by a significant amount. Uh, it looks like the spread is about five. So to me, Diggs looks like a superior play, and the ownership's pretty similar. So that'll be my lean uh, between those two. But uh, I think both are, are good plays. It, it depends a lot on the composition of your roster uh, as well. Like maybe um, if you. Uh, if you play Diggs, I guess Diggs and Allen could be a nice correlation if uh, if we got a shootout. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant to take a negative stance on either of these guys because I just feel like that's going to blow up on my face completely. But uh, there's a couple of guys on Buffalo that also look good, and, and Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis with John Brown out. So I think this is an intriguing team to stack. Yeah, Matt, as a matter of fact, John Brown missing – Uh, weeks five and week seven Gabriel Davis actually led the team in routes run with 96 in those two games it's targeted nine and three times respectively but uh, Alex brings him up I'll let you close the book on this Buffalo team yeah I think I like Cole Beasley too I mean you just mentioned it there but when we look at the uh, the median projections and compare it to what a player needs to get 3x salary you know, assuming 3x value on their salary, Cole Beasley looks like he might have a median that is 3x value this week. So it's hard for me to move away from that spot. But if we're looking to be contrarian and we want to talk about a a big play threat other than Stephon Diggs, I think Gabriel Davis is a a great place to go. That said, you know, we've seen some monster performances. I think it was week 10 where we had a 30-point game from Cole Beasley. So we want to get out of this public perception where he's just a six for 66 guy, he can easily have blow up games in, uh, in big point total games for the Buffalo Bills. Sticking with you here, Matt, playing the ownership game, looking at our projections, no surprise, Darren Waller, once again, coming in as the highest projected owned tight end on the slate, uh, just about 2% North of Travis Kelsey. Now I know he hasn't been great every week, but People are going to look at a couple of things, right? They're going to say, well, he has a 28% target share and no one else on his team is north of 13% this season. Henry Ruggs is just straight running wind sprints every week. <laughs> and 
you know, you've got your your rogue Nelson Aguilar deep balls and Renfro getting worked in. But ultimately, Darren Waller has been the one guy that, generally speaking, week in and week out, has been getting the bulk of the work or at least the most consistent work. Matt, and you said we want reliability. We want that consolidation of targets. It has been there for him. Is it there for him, or is it is there enough of that there this week that we're willing to pay 6K in a bad position against an Atlanta secondary that's been torched on many occasions? I, I think if we're looking at this from a just a pure matchup perspective, how can you not like Darren Waller this week? I mean, Atlanta ranks 27th in expected points for drive allowed and 32nd in net expected points allowed this year. It you know, it's a situation where even Taysom Hill is able to take advantage of map matchups, not to say he's not an adequate passer in this league, but we've seen Derek Carr hyper-focus on one receiver in many games this year, and it, Darren Waller has been consistently that guy. So if you're talking about being contrarian, as we are on this show, Darren Waller is a, a tough play to move away from, but you're going to have to stack lineups a little bit differently. I think Nelson Aguilar isn't the worst place to go this week at all. I, again, with that ownership coming in so high and you could still move up even to Travis Kelsey, I, I think I might move elsewhere other than Waller in this high total game. Alex, the same thing to you, and then we'll get to this Miami news, not at running back, but at quarterback that has me very excited because my guy is going to be getting another Fitzmagic start. is back. Now we're in business, yes. baby, against the Jets. But, 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 I'll leave it there for now and talk about this Vegas-Atlanta game because it's equally probably more important uh, than that one. What are we doing with this team? Like Waller is the one guy that gets reliable work, but you have, and Matt kind of touched on it too, you have so much big playability from, from some of these other guys, outside guys for Vegas. It's just you never know when they're going to hit or, or when Derek Carr is going to look their way. For sure, yeah. I mean, he We've seen huge games out of Aguilar and Ruggs. Uh, Aguilar really being one of the big surprises of the season. Like, who knew he was actually good, right? But he's really <laughs> earned a, a leading role in the Raiders' offense. But that being said, the passing volume, two wide receivers, is quite low in the Raiders, which is surprising. Uh, I guess they just throw so much to Waller. And Josh Jacobs has been seeing more targets this year as well. Uh, getting three to four per game. So I think uh, Waller is a solid option. I do prefer other tight ends today over or tomorrow over Waller. I'll uh, go into that maybe in one of my pivots. And um, Josh Jacobs also stands out as a great play where the game script sets up nice. Las Vegas runs at a high rate uh, almost 50% of the time. Devontae Booker has been mixing in. Um, but that's not to say Jacobs hasn't still been getting a high workload. So I think given that both of them are quite popular tomorrow, I would lean towards Jacobs if I'm going to pick a one-off from the Raiders. All right, Alex, on the other side, you have Atlanta. Julio Jones, this status for me was a little bit strange, and I must say disconcerting. He's somebody that has done a very good job of you know, doing limited practices throughout the week. He's a veteran wideout. He's got nothing to prove. And then he ends up playing. But it was kind of weird that he was a non-participant in yesterday's practice. Was he in a food coma following mm -hmm. Thanksgiving? It's possible. Maybe they just said, all right, take the day off. You're fine. But uh, I am a little bit worried about that, given that he was a limited participant throughout the rest of the week before Friday. Um, let's sit on them, and then we'll get to the, the, the elephant in the room here with Todd Gurley out in the backfield. Yeah, I don't have a strong uh, read on the injury situation, but we do know that Julio is out. Calvin Ridley uh, will be a very exciting play tomorrow. And uh, Hayden Hurst and, and Russell. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gage, who actually have pretty high price tags this week. It will be kind of fringe plays. Uh, maybe if you want to mix it up, you could go to them. We did see... Um, I think there was one week where Julio was ruled out pretty late and then Calvin Ridley didn't get nearly as much ownership as you would expect given how good of a play he was. So if Julio is a game time decision and then he's out, then Ridley could be one of the best plays on the slate. So uh, this is definitely a situation to keep an eye on. Yeah, Matt, you're looking at Ridley right now. Uh, price point 7,100. I mentioned that because... Justin Jefferson, and we'll get to him shortly, is 6,300. Stefan Diggs getting around 20% ownership, 7,600. There are uh, a few spots here in similar price points that if Julio Jones ends up being inactive, that throws a wrench into the works big time in that price range. Yeah, of course. And I mean, whenever you're talking about the absolute alpha primary wide receiver in one of the highest total games of the slate, you're going to talk about a good player to have on your daily fantasy rosters. But at the same time, I do worry about the Falcons offense in general. When Julio Jones isn't on the field, they just sometimes don't have the ability to move the ball that well. Now we're talking about the a Raiders defense that is, you know, one of the worst in leagues below average in almost every measurable metric. But I, I do have some concern that the Raiders who have an adjusted rush rate that's seventh highest in the league, if they get out to an early lead, we might see this game get slowed down via the rush with Jacobs and Booker, which is going to limit the offensive production overall for the Falcons. So I agree. We're looking at a great target share, especially if Julio Jones is out for Calvin Ridley, but I do think there are better places on the slate. Justin Jefferson for one. And I don't hate the idea of going down the list on the Falcons, Alamari Zacchaeus could see an increased role. And uh, yeah, Russell Gage has had some multiple double-digit target games this year. So that's not the worst play either. Hey, Matt, I'm old enough to remember last year when Devontae Freeman was out for a relatively extended period of time for Atlanta. And everyone jumped on the backups for Atlanta and it, uh, it did not work out. So uh, forgive me for saying that while I understand the ownership at a 4K Brian Hill... I'm not going to pretend that I love this as much as a lot of other people I've seen. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I say, you know what? You have to eat it. You just have to go there. It's 4K. What's the worst that can happen? And maybe that's true. But on an Atlanta team, you know, you talk about potentially slowing the game down. I see it from another angle, too. An Atlanta team that in the past has never been afraid to throw the ball 50-plus times when they get into trouble. I wouldn't be surprised if they abandoned the run altogether. And then you're trusting these guys to be involved in the passing game. So throwing out a few different few different possibilities there. What are we doing with Brian Hill? Fourth highest owned player on the slate right now. Second highest owned uh, running back behind only Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And I think we might see that ownership come down a little bit now that we have a couple of more low price options at running back that are very obvious. The Colt, the two Colts running backs we just mentioned. And you know what? That just frees you up. No one has to eat chalk with a bad running back that they don't like this week. Now that we have a couple of them. So I, I think I'm a little bit more positive on Brian Hill than you sound to be, but I think it's completely right. We're, we're looking at a very goal line dependent role in Todd Gurley's uh, role as a running back on the Falcons. And so if we don't get those situations, yeah, Brian Hill's uh, fantasy output is going to suffer. And even at 4k, he's not going to be the best play, but again, at that low price point, we really have a lot of, ways it can go wrong and still kind of hit for us. So I think Brian Hill in this high total game is hard to move away from. Are you on the same boat, Alex? I think Brian Hill is solid. Uh, I, I think that he may have a similar work share to Todd Gurley. Um, if it was just a normal game, Todd Gurley's 5,500. 
Brian Hill's 4K. Haven't seen much of a difference in, in talent this year as far as stats. So uh, I do think Ido Smith will kind of be heavily involved, but Brian Hill should get around to 60, 70% of the work. So that makes him a good play at 4K, but not a priority uh, for your rosters, in my opinion. All right, here we go, Alex. It's Miami and the New York Jets. Man, we you would think we're talking about we are, you'd be wondering why are we talking about these games? But hey, some of them are good. And I was kind of shocked to see that both the Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants are six and a half point favorites on the road this week, week 12 of the 2020 season. Uh Tua Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa, it's an easy one. <laughs> doubtful to play. I don't know if he's officially ruled out. I saw him doubtful just a few minutes ago. Ryan Fitzpatrick expected to get the start, Alex. After last week, Tua was benched. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in as his replacement. They ended up dropping that game against Denver. Now you've got them against the Jets team. Um, I, am I crazy to think that Ryan Fitzpatrick just could make for a phenomenal tournament play because he's one of the few cheap quarterbacks in this league that can still rip off a four touchdown, 300 yard game. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's always been a sick fantasy quarterback just because he slings the ball like no one else. Kind of. It's totally reckless with it. And that leads to a lot of uh, terrible performances for the team, but then really good fantasy performances. So He's been a little bit better about that this year, though, and the Dolphins have been a, a pleasant surprise. Well, we kind of know what to expect with Fitzpatrick, and uh, he's just a great fantasy quarterback, not a great real-life quarterback. So uh, I think you got to look at him versus the Jets team that just has been abysmal in everything this year. So I think uh, Fitzpatrick, I think he'll be popular, but I like it. I think Devontae Parker has – seeing his target share really increase with Preston Williams out. So I like going to him. And then Miles Gaskin coming off the IR, he may or may not play. That that creates a lot of uncertainty at running back. But I think if if Miles Gaskin doesn't play, you gotta look at Brita and DeAndre Washington as decent options. I don't have a great sense of how that workload would split up, but I'd be looking for kind of some some insider uh, takes on that. Um, and I know uh, some of our fellow content makers may be trying to get Patrick Laird to any chance they can. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a, a percent. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I'm good on that, but I understand <laughs> it. Uh, Matt, Pierre Desir was cut by the Jets, signed by the Baltimore Ravens. That secondary has has not exactly been in pristine condition. They've really struggled this season. Uh, many places have them ranked bottom five or even dead last, depending on where you're looking. Pro Football Focus coverage rating is 31st in the league. I could go on, but I don't need to. I won't waste any more time. This is an objectively good passing matchup for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It sure is. And, you know, when you look at the stats of Fitzpatrick versus Tagovailoa, you're looking at a player in Fitzpatrick who has a higher expected points added per drive uh, rate this year, a higher drive success rate, which means that more of his drives end in touchdowns than Tua's. So we have him, we have a better quarterback with a more consolidated offense than when we last saw Fitzpatrick because Preston Williams is on IR and Isaiah Ford, who had a double digit, multiple huge games with a double digit target game traded away. So we know where that passing offense is going to go, and we know how bad the defense is. So yes, while I agree, if we have a lot of uncertainty at the running back position, that's a great contrarian play. I don't know how you could get off this passing attack, especially when you can stack it so so easily and low price. You can get pretty chalky at running back too, and then just have one sort of off-the-wall pivot option in your lineup and be set to go. Yeah, like Ryan Fitzpatrick at 5,500, Devontae Parker sub 6K. That This really opens things up. Um, Alex talked a little bit about the ground game. Let me just get a quick opinion on this, Matt, given that uh, Salvin uh, uh, Ahmed, or as we love to endear him as, uh, or affectionately refer to him as Salmonhead, is out so i don't necessarily know what there is to do here jordan howard was cut from the team obviously a couple of weeks back are you going anywhere near this or are you mostly just getting towards the passing game 
Um, I'd be thrilled to play Miles Gaskin if we hear reports yeah, in the morning too. that similar to when Dalvin Cook came back from injury and we knew by noon that day that he was going to get his full workload and then he broke the slate an hour later. Not to say that Miles Gaskin will absolutely do that, but I'd be thrilled to play him. He had a huge percentage of the workload. Uh, you know, he's in the top six running backs. If you look at fantasy points, uh, excuse me, top 15 running backs and expected fantasy points, but fantasy points over average, you know, the Jets have just been bottom six in the league to running backs. They give up points all different ways. So yeah, I play him no problem. Guys, you probably, if you're listening now, got in on our Mayflower promo, which was the greatest thing ever. An awesome express NFL pass for a dollar for the week. But, uh, we still got a ton going on at awesome.com slash join all of our subscriptions up there for really whatever your financial status is, right? Uh, if, if, if you are looking for something small, you, you don't feel comfortable spending a lot of money, you know, your wife or maybe even your husband is going to give you a tough time for earning, spending that hard earned money on something that's, you know, ultimately going to make you more hard earned money, but they don't get that. If you could get the express pass, the NFL three ninety five a week, or the weekly pass for NFL, or for all access everything, awesome plus platinum, weekly, monthly. I think that's the best bang for your buck, or annual. You name, it. we got everything at awesome.com slash join. The ownership projections, player projections, the top stack tool, ownership player projections, top players tool for all of our showdown slates. We got NASCAR, PGA, NBA's coming up. Um, everything. Everything. I'm going to run out of breath talking about this, but just know we got the greatest tools out there, the preeminent tools in the industry for good reason. Alex Baker right here developed all of them and uses them himself. And all of the greatest articles, because these guys put their blood, sweat, and tears into these DFS articles every day. And then, of course, the Fantasy Cruncher add-on and so much more. Also, premium Slack chat where you can jump in. If you, if you sign up for any subscription, you can get into our premium Slack chat, talk to everybody else that loves DFS and sports betting as much as you do, but also get in on office hours where you can talk to Alex, you can talk to Adam, you can talk to Ben. They come in uh, every week, talk, ask questions. They can help you refine your game. It's good stuff. So check it out, awesome.com slash join. And if you, if you have any questions, hit us up. You can DM me at Lafayette underscore D on Twitter, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Hit Alex up. He's always happy to help at Awesomeo DFS or at Awesomeo underscore com. All right, Alex, let's let's see what other spots we need to hit on here, right? We got to we got to a bunch of the big ones. Uh, here's one that, that, that Matt wanted to touch on, and, and I'll go to you first, Alex. Carolina at Minnesota. Minnesota laying three and a half points, 51 point total. Christian McCaffrey went from doubtful to questionable. Now he's out. Um, so nothing really changes. It's the same as it was the last week. And the biggest thing is on the other side of this game, but let's actually kick it off with Carolina. Do you like the Panthers? Uh, and are you going back to the passing game with Teddy Bridgewater off the injured list? Is there anything you really like here? Yeah, I like uh, I like the Carolina offense. I mean, t- any game pretty much. Uh, Bridgewater has been pretty efficient this year, just shy of eight yards per attempt. They do run the slowest offense in the league, which is a big knock against them. But in NFL, that's not like the biggest factor in the world. Robbie Anderson has been the standout receiver, while DJ Moore has been on the hot streak recently. So I definitely go to Robbie Anderson as a good target. And I feel like Mike Davis, uh, he's going to be a better running back with Bridgewater uh, than if it had been someone else because Bridgewater doesn't really scramble very much. And that means more targets are going to go to Mike Davis, and he's been pretty effective at getting those PPR points. So I think there's some value here. No one stands out as a must play, but uh, definitely all of them are pretty solid. Okay. Matt? Carolina, they've they've been invo- involved in some really great game stacks this season. And you know what? Even with the other side of this one missing uh, a pretty key member in Adam Thielen, I think there's still a lot to like here. We have a ton to break down with Minnesota, but I want to get Carolina out of the way first. We heard from Alex. Now let's hear from you on the Panthers. Yeah, anytime you have a high game total for both a uh, high game total and a high implied total for both teams, and then you see a situation where the offenses are both extremely consolidated, like both Minnesota and Carolina's offense have been this year. 
we're going to be excited about those passing game options. So it is true that Carolina's pace has been incredibly slow. But one of the things I noticed in my recent data deep dives is that when you add air yards to the mix on early downs, they're actually just about league average, which means that they're making up for that slow pace with deep passing. And so that makes me interested in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I think with, with, uh, with Bridgewater back in the fold, we're going to see the typical breakdown of target share and air yard share a little bit more towards Anderson than Moore but both have shootout potential, big play potential, and Minnesota ranks in the bottom five of the league in expected points per drive allowed and expected points per play allowed. So I do like the passing game. And again, Mike Davis looks like a solid value option, uh, pretty high ownership, but I think I like him a lot too. So I, I would be fine with any of those options. So you're willing to pay the 6,900 for Mike Davis, which seemingly feels like he's been there every day for the past five weeks he has right seven 66 67 67 67 68 um uh, let's let's not overlook that 4k <laughs> yeah oh you know what's funny you go on DraftKings and they have him listed what game was that where he was for it was tampa bay right they have him at Huh, 6,700, which is what he was for the early slate only. Yeah, yeah, where they switched it up later. Are they trying to uh, to trick us here to get us to misremember like some uh, Mandela effect type shit? Is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I like I, DraftKings. We're on to you. Yeah, I mean, we can't we can't really move away from a player who, when he's had the bulk of the carries, you know, I look at a, a stack of quality opportunities. That's the targets and the goal line carries, and then you factor all the other opportunities away, you're looking at a player who's fifth in the league in quality opportunities per game. So if McCaffrey's out, as he is, in a great matchup, no problem at all. All right, Alex. On to Adam Thielen. He's <laughs> out. Justin Jefferson's been an animal this season. Pains me to say it, but here we are. I'm a professional trying to do my job and put feelings, personal feelings aside. <laughs> Justin Jefferson... Projected for more ownership than any wide receiver right now. And you know what? At 6,300, it's kind of hard for me to argue with that. We talk about it. We're on the contrary for a reason. We play good chalk when it's there and fade it when it's not. What do you say here about Justin Jefferson around 21% with no Adam Thielen, who has the highest mark target share on the team? By the way, these two guys have a 51% target share on Minnesota which is insane, but it's also kind of misleading because they don't throw the ball a lot. But still, taking Adam Thielen out of the equation opens a lot up for Justin Jefferson, or so you'd think. Definitely. Minnesota doesn't throw the ball very much, but when they do, they've been very effective. 8.5 yards per attempt uh, on the year. So that is one of the higher marks in the league. Uh, actually, it might be higher than that. Um, so... You take Thielen out, that's going to drop it a bit. And um, you're replacing Thielen snaps with old BC Johnson and Chad Beebe. And then Irv Smith is out, you're replacing him with Tyler Conklin. Basically, big downgrades as far as target share. So I think Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook, and, and Justin Jefferson will all see a much larger target share as a result. And given that their price is if everyone's in, I think they're excellent plays this week. It's going to be hard to really fade Minnesota. Um, I do think uh, one way you could fade Jefferson is just putting Cook in. Uh, if he really needs a huge performance to get there at his salary and um, at 9,500 and 11K, they're going to need to run the ball a ton of times for him to get there. So I think that um, if you have Cook, I would consider leaving the Jefferson off your roster. But I think Jefferson is just kind of a plug-and-play otherwise where any line where you have him, I think he'll be a solid play. So, Matt, every Monday I do a show with Adam Scher and Josh Ingham. It's the Monday morning quarterback show, the recap show. We break down everything from the previous Sunday, the day before. And sometimes you come across some crazy lines, right? And this past week, following week 11, Sunday main slate, we go on lineup, uh, we go on lineup study on Fantasy Crunchy. You can see everyone's exposure to everything, all of the lineups. It's a beautiful Incredible tool. Thing. It's awesome. It's awesome. You get this, by the way, Fantasy Cruncher add on at awesome.com if you're interested. It's awesome. 
Uh, and there were tournament winning lineups, first place, a couple in second and third in big tournaments, large field contest that had Dalvin cook and Adam Thielen and no Kirk cousins. And at first you say, that's crazy, right? And normally that doesn't work, but the concentration of work between these teams or between these guys and this team is so tight that it's not like if any team were to do it, I'd say, yeah, it's not insane that it happened like that. Whereas maybe last year, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas do it. And you say, well, that kind of makes sense because of the amount of work they get. Now you take Adam Thielen out of the mix and it's really like Justin Jefferson and Dalvin cook. Sure. Some crazy things can happen. Kyle Rudolph could explode, but I think you see what I'm getting at here. Uh, yeah, and I'm a little annoyed at you because that was basically my take just a second ago before you took it away from me, which is, I think... My fault. Especially as we're talking about all these low-salary player blocks or stacks that we can use, such as Miami, we could get a player block from uh, Cook, from Rudolph, and from Jefferson and just lock in a ton of Vikings points. And that yep. combination has gone over 80 DraftKings points already this season. So we may not get 3X value on every single player from that trio, but if two of them have 5X value and we get the enough total points, we're still in a great position for first place. So I don't think that's crazy whatsoever. That was about to be my take there. I think you could play a player block of two or even three. And once you get to three, you've essentially made your lineup a bit contrarian because most people are not going to have all three of them in the lineup. We're going to hit on our favorite fade, our favorite pivot to close out the show as we always do, but we've got one more game to hit on that I think is absolutely crucial. First though, if you guys are just tuning in now, I know a lot of people tune in late and they're like, Oh, I'm late. What am I going to do? Well, first of all, it's live. Just rewind it. Uh, Or after it goes off air, start it over uh, or listen on the podcast form because any platform out there that has podcasts, you can find awesome podcasts. I know it sounds silly. What do you mean? People don't know they can rewind. I swear to God, people come in here and they're like, Oh, I missed the whole show. What am I to do? Well, you have many <laughs> alternatives. So you can never, never need to miss on the contrary or any of our shows here at awesome. Alex, Kansas city and Tampa Bay. This is it, man. This game could be absurd or it could be a massive letdown. I'm just going to throw this to you and pose this question and let you run with it. Is this game going to be absurd or is it going to be a massive letdown? Uh-huh. It's going to be somewhere in between. What are you expecting from this? Well, I feel a lot better about the Kansas City side than I do about the Tampa Bay side. Sure. Tampa Bay's pass defense has been a little bit better than average, but it's certainly not nearly as good as their rushing defense, which is – a nice matchup for Kansas City because they passed the ball at one of the highest rates in the league in neutral game scripts. So I see a lot of potential from Kansas City's passing uh, production. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, man, Tom Brady has not been getting it done. He's had some big fantasy games based on volume, but sub seven yards per attempt with this uh, receiving core, that's really disappointing in my opinion. So um they also split the ball a million ways in tampa so it's kind of hard to peg any one player to really plant a flag in so uh, tampa bay isn't really a team i'm I'm liking this week i I much prefer the kansas city side how about you matt yeah i think that's probably the right call there and you know uh, this is a little bit about team identity rather than statistics but the todd bowles buccaneers defense have been predicated on stopping the run and blitzing the quarterback and Patrick Mahomes has some of the best uh, while blitzing statistics in the league. Not that he doesn't have just altogether great statistics all over, but you really can't blitz him and he doesn't turn the ball over. He hasn't had a multi-interception game in two seasons. So we're, we're talking about a team that relies on stopping the run, which the chiefs don't care about and blitzing the quarterback and getting turnovers, which the chiefs don't do. So I I'm certainly more excited about the Kansas city side And like Alex said, the Tampa Bay high-powered passing attack is still incredibly spread out. It's one of the lowest five passing offenses in terms of consolidation of the top three targets in the league. So uh, I'm happy to play the home stacks. It looks like on the top stack tool, he's the runaway as the highest probability uh, 
quarterback wide receiver or quarterback tight end stack. And we could get a little contrarian this week if we wanted to go to somebody like Sammy Watkins, who they're going to get back in the fold. And if we expect a lot of points to be scored on this side, he absolutely could go off in this game. He's 42nd in salary this week. I haven't uh, shouted out Al Smizzle in a while, but the man made a point the other day that I thought was, was, was pretty valid. And Alex, here's what he said, right? He said, a lot of people think of Tyreek Hill as this guy that is, you know, your six, seven targets and hopefully he breaks two of them off. Right. And I think there's a lot of people watching this show in chat right now that, you know, you know, that's not necessarily true, but a lot of people think of him that way. A lot of people absolutely do like, Oh, he's not a target monster. The last three weeks he's seen eight or 14, 18 and six. And then the week before that he saw 10. So double digit targets in three of his last four weeks. Tyree kill has been a target monster over the last month of, of the football season. Yeah. I mean, he's always been one of the alphas on Kansas city tied with Travis Kelsey. He'll being a little bit more boom bust, uh, but you're right. He, he has been getting a lot more consistent performances this season. So I think, uh, Tyreek Hill is, is a solid play like every week, um, three weeks averaging a hundred yards per game pretty much. So in the last four games, he's gotten six touchdowns. So he's on an insane streak of, of games here, but it is uh, hard to predict. I don't know if that is something we can count on for next week. So compared to his recent performances, I'd say I'm under, but that doesn't mean he's not a fantastic play. Okay. So here we go. Matt, quickly, because I want to get this in under the button. If you have to run it back with the Tampa Bay player, who's it going to be? Brown, Evans, Godwin, go. It's Antonio Brown. Uh, it's the wide receiver one over eight targets a game since he came uh, to the team. And uh, I think he's got that. Uh, well, I don't want to say the largest big play potential, but I like the volume. That's where I'm going. All right. Rapid fire. Alex, you said you were ready this week. <laughs> Pete tried to tried to shame you on our own show yet or last that. week. That son of a bitch. <laughs> top fade, top pivot of the week. Who do you have? I've been preparing for seven days straight since that moment. <laughs> All right, I'm going to lay it on you guys. So I, I got two fades. I'm going to double what we did last week. Uh, one is kind of silly, so that's why I have two. Derek Carr. He's kind of like the value quarterback of the week, and I think he's an okay play, but for some reason the ownership is super high. I think it has to do with Atlanta's defense being bad versus the quarterbacks or something like that. Uh, but you don't have to go back very far to see him throwing 25 times a game for three weeks straight. In fact, that was three of the four games in the last month. So that is a serious red flag. Um, but my main fit of the week is Sakinan Allen. He's been insanely good so far this year. Um, and he's getting monster target share. But my general read is that in NFL, like there's so much variance in wide receiver that when I look at Stefan Diggs, the same ownership and $400 cheaper, or then maybe you go to Tyree Kill, who is uh, a little bit lower owned. Um uh, there's a lot of good options in this range. And I think Keenan Allen may be the most overpriced p- compared to his potential. So all uh, ownership uh, similar. I'm going to go to uh, just, or sorry, not Justin Jefferson. He's cheaper. Uh, I guess uh, Stefan Diggs would be my, my pivot there. Beautiful. Matt, top fade, top pivot of the week. All right. Well, I know this is a little bit narrative based, but we've seen the New England Patriots shadow wide receivers all year long, only one week where they didn't shadow wideouts. And I think they're a little bit more successful than the public might think in stopping DeAndre Hopkins. I think if you go back the last eight games, going back to when Hopkins was a Texan, obviously, the Patriots have been able to shut him down. Uh, keeping him out of the end zone and under 80 yards. So I definitely am looking more towards Christian Kirk or even Andy Isabella now that Larry Fitzgerald is out. And, you know, I, I, I think you could also, I know this is the same price range, but I think Jacoby Myers, after he let a lot of people down last week, he has one of the highest, as in 
top three weighted opportunity ratings since week eight in the league. I know that the Patriots don't throw a lot, but especially if there's some shootout potential in their game against the Cardinals, I think Jacoby Myers is going to be a solid play. Love it. All right, I'll close it out. My fade, the 20-plus percent on James Robinson right now. And you might say, yeah, but he's getting so much work. Yeah, you're right, he is. But things could get very ugly this week. And I just don't buy into the fact that you can keep giving him this much volume and stay competitive against teams like Green Bay, which they did at Lambeau Field, uh, and, and other spots that really should not have been the case. I think things could get ugly for them this week. Now, granted, the Cleveland Browns are averaging 9.6 points on offense over their last three games, but all of them have been massively affected by weather. So while Robinson's workload has been insane, I'll give him that, no question about it. Even 17 carries last week against Pittsburgh, despite losing by 24, I'm going to someone that is a third of the ownership in Nick Chubb, and he's not that much more expensive except Nick Chubb is a touchdown favorite against Jacksonville against a garbage run defense and the Cleveland Browns. You might say, yeah, but what about Kareem hunt? I don't care. These guys have combined for 71 carries over their last two games alone, two games they've combined for 71 carries. So even if Kareem hunt gets worked in Chubb's still going to get probably 20 carries in this game as an effort for Stefanski to just keep the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands. And I think that'll be easy enough. So 7% Nick Chubb count me in $7,100 virtually no ownership there. That'll do it for us guys. Thanks for hanging out with us as always hit that thumbs up before you go and subscribe to the channel. If you like what we do here and you think we've helped you out along the way, follow Alex at awesome DFS and our boy, our guest, Matt Savoca at Draftaholic. He's with me every Thursday for the matchup show. Does the matchups column and the deep uh, data deep dive. It's free on the site at awesome.com. So I urge you, actually, I, I command you to check that out. I'm Dave Lockren. Hit me up at Lafay underscore D on the Twitter and follow Awesomeo at Awesomeo underscore com. We'll see you guys back here for week 13 on the contrary. But tomorrow, it's the marathon show, 9 a.m. Eastern, all the way up to 1 Be with us. It'll be a good one.